Good afternoon. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. I want to thank Steve for inviting us to be part of his show today, celebrating Black History Month. Many of you may know of our monthly Spotlight on Arts and Culture show, the second Monday of every month on this station. We also dedicated our program this month to celebrating Black arts, culture, and history in a program titled Beyond Black History Month. You can hear it on WPKN SoundCloud podcast channel. And, you know, after I'd prepared the show interviewing two historical societies, Team Westport, the Westport Country Playhouse, and Fairfield University's Quick Center and Art Museum, I belatedly became aware of this compelling exhibit at Bridgeport City Lights Gallery that I really wanted to include. So thanks again to Steve for giving us extra space this month to bring further attention to this very interesting show. So the exhibit, Sometimes I Don't Feel Like I'm Really Here, is a solo show by the young black artist Claude Desir Jr., a resident of Bridgeport. We're fortunate to have him on this segment of the show. Welcome, Claude. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Along with Suzanne Kachmar, director of the gallery. Welcome to you, Suzanne. Thank you, David. Thank you for having us on. And two other Black Bridgeport artists, Siaba Ibo Mandingo and Gerald Moore. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you, you for having me, Glad to be here. Both of whom have recognized and encouraged Claude in his work and also have work in a companion show at City Lights Gallery. And by the way, you can find the gallery, if you don't know it, on Golden Hill Street at the top of the painted steps at the end of Main Street next to downtown Cabaret. So this show is particularly appropriate, it seems, to Black History Month as Claude's work reaches back into the history of the country to take hold of stereotyped images of black people from popular white mainstream culture and to boldly reappropriate them in very arresting terms. I encourage everyone to go to the gallery to see them in person as they really burst upon you with their brilliant pop color and graphic power. So welcome Claude and congratulations on the show. Thank uh, you. First, I do have to ask you about the title of the exhibit. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm really here. So I gather you're first generation Haitian American, is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, That's both, right. So both of your parents were born in Haiti. And yeah. I remember that in one of the videos on the City Lights website, you said, not of course, surprisingly, how, quote, to be young, black, and American is a challenge. And I wonder of if course. I wonder if you could say a little bit about that in the context of the show and the title you came up with. I mean, is that a long-standing feeling or thought, or did, did it come to you as you were putting the show together? Yeah, um, sometimes I don't feel like I'm really here. Um, the way I came about this title is just how I felt in general within myself and the spaces I'll find myself in. Um, I sometimes question my purpose or my importance in this lifetime. Um, like, am I really doing enough or 
Like there's about, you know, 7 billion people on this earth, you know? So (laughs) it's my way of saying like, what is it that within myself um, that I can offer, you know, what can I find myself in, in, in this use of uh, not being so use useful, but um, sometimes I don't feel like I'm really here. It's, it's just uh, my way of saying me trying to find my way in society. Uh-huh. So you really have the sense of emerging of, of growing of becoming, but not quite sure where you're going yet. Right. So like the title, it's, it's all lowercase also like, um, so it has like some, some grammar errors intentionally because, <laughs> uh, you know, when a random stranger, you know, comes across it, you know, by, um, assumption, you know, it'll be, you know, maybe they'll think to themselves like, Oh, wow, this guy can't spell or maybe mm-hmm. he's uneducated. So, um, mm-hmm. I get a rise out of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So because because at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, no one um, really knows uh, anyone or or knows why do they do the things they do. So I make uh, quote unquote mistakes on purpose because I can do whatever I want without being, you know, concerned about anybody's opinions because people is always going to think um, whatever they want to think. So, right. That was that was the whole point of that was another point of you know putting that title together, just kind of doing that on purpose. So I'd like to ask you about some of these uh, very arresting image types, or as as I put it, personae in the show. I wonder if you could tell us a little about them, uh, what they represent, and the power you see in them. Um, I mean, the the one you you see first going into the gallery is one you call Carnell. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I see it on the wall behind you. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yeah, that's the that's the stamp. That's right. the stamp. That's the poster boy. Um, Vii is the brand, <laughs> and um, Carnell is the poster boy. Carnell is spelled with seven letters in representation of Vi. So that's the significance of why I chose the name. And I'd like to break down the features from the hair to the teeth. Carnell. Is a combination of different bits and pieces of other artists that influenced me. Like Jean-Michel Basquiat, um, his self-portrait from 1983. I took the hair from that. And uh, Michael Ray Charles's influence in there on the mouth, teeth, and gums. Also, um, I put a likeness of myself into it, incorporating, you know, my ears, my nose, uh-huh. and my chin, and also my gold earrings. So um, that's all the origins I took to like mold this figure together. So that's that's what Carnell basically consists of. But it's also a it seems like a mask. I mean, there's, there are no eyes, um, or the yeah. eyes are empty. Um, and and I see that in a number of other pieces too. I mean, mm-hmm. is it a mask? No, it's not. I, I took I, I I gouged out the eyes intentionally because um just like you having no sense of direction, you know, more like out of state, out of out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So that's why I, I took the eyes out. I feel like eyes give give things like character and, and eyes, you know, make stuff a little more personal. Personal. Yeah. So, you know. 
I just took out the eyes intentionally too. Well, another figure is, I don't know how you pronounce him, devil, because it's got the V. Yeah, it's, it's literally devil. I just incorporated the V-I-I in there to make it tricky. So, <laughs> so Yeah, it's a capital D, capital E, and then lowercase V-I-I-L, uppercase. So, so V yeah. is your brand? Yeah, V-I. It's V-I-I, seven in Roman numerals. Yeah. So is that so, um, a magic number? Where did, where did V-I-I come from? Um, that's actually where it all started. I was actually a part of a brand called seven views. I was like the character development guy. So when it all like, kind of like, um, came to an end, um, I branched off and did my own thing. So I took the, you know, seven views title, but like, kind of like re, you know, branded it myself, just, just shortening it by putting VI making it a little you know tricky put it in my own you know way so just seven so another but, um yeah another theme of, of these very wide open mouths i mean there was one that that looks almost like a hippo um <laughs> yeah singing. i mean this is a very strong theme in your work can you tell us a little bit about that yeah you'll find a lot of images or paintings with figures having their mouths open wide um they're not like singing they're they're yelling because a lot of people you know they have their own interpretation of what they yeah. might be doing they're actually yelling so um ah. the significance behind this is the more majority of my figures are yelling because they aren't being heard or noticed so they yell so this ties in with the title itself sometimes i don't feel like i'm really here so what do i have to do to get some sort of like acknowledgement or attention i'm gonna yell i'm gonna try to grab somebody's attention, you know, by making a scene. Right. Right. Yeah. So but then there's the one um really amazing image uh that you call mute. Mute. Like, yeah. That's uh, a big piece like right a there. Small figure, maybe even a child with a closed right. mouth that's running. I mean very compelling. Mm. There's a yellow, big yellow moon in the background and a red sky. Mm. Very amazing. Yeah, I get I get different interpretations about it. You could say it's a moon, it's a sun. Um, you know, the color choice, uh, you know, first I'll cover that is just, that's, that's just the VI palette, you know, consists of red, yellow, orange. Uh -huh. I usually throw that in my work. You'll see that like very consistently. But um, Mute was originally a small sketch I turned into a large painting. Um, and it's inspired by the derogatory imagery at um Jim Crow. So the reason for the no eyes was a representation being lost, like I stated before, yeah. out of sight, out of mind. So that was the reason for that. And and it's and it's instead of it having its mouth open, it's closed. So that's mm -hmm. the title of mute. Very, very compelling. Um so yeah, there's something very uh cartoon like about many of the figures. Um mm -hmm. Um, you had your roots in cartoon, cartoon work. Uh, yeah, for sure. Kind of pop art style. Tell us about that. How that evolved. A lot of my inspiration stems from like my early childhood watching uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, from like Walt Disney to the Warner Bros. So that is the blueprint of it all. But um, over time, other artists influenced me as well, such as. Um, Jean-Michel Bas Basquiat, 
Michael Ray Charles, um, Ralph Bakshi, uh-huh. George Condell, Brian Donnelly, um, the guy who made Cause, uh, Ron English, Hebrew Brantley. It's, it's a wide variety of artists as well, but I, it's... I, it stems from a lot, but but like I said, like um, back to like Walt Disney and the Warner Bros. That's like the the blueprint of of the the cartoon palette. But, and the colors really hit you. I mean, coming in, yeah, I, I, I loved especially that the print um, that you made of Connell. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, really I love that. That's uh, really thank you. Amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Color theory, I could go back to, to saying that was uh, it has a lot to do with the, the color choice now. Because when I took I actually took color theory in college, I was like my favorite class. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, like red, yellow, orange, they're like cautionary colors. So, you know, they grab people's attention first. But um, putting that that attention is red, yellow and or- red, yellow and orange. And then you add that that blue. It does like the opposite because then. Blue is, is going to be the focal point. So that's why I even like threw the blue in there. So majority of the time you'll see red, yellow, orange, but whenever you tend to see the blue, your, your eye is going to automatically see the blue first or yeah, your, really. your attention goes to the blue. So it does the opposite. Really pops. It's amazing. Yeah. I'd like to turn to Suzanne now. Suzanne, many of our listeners, I'm sure, will uh, recognize you, but can you tell us, just a little bit about City Lights and how long you've been running it there. Uh, I've been involved for 15 years uh, running program. And then the executive director kind of just grew into that. Uh, and um, when I first started, it was a kind of a for-profit gallery. And uh, I just thought we could really do so much more. And, and our mission should be greater than just um, putting artwork up of local artists, which is a great wonderful thing to do but um i thought we needed to try to serve the community through art and frankly it's so much work to run a gallery and keep it going that if it doesn't have a lot of purpose to it i probably would have lost interest frankly so you've got a had a long history of listening and responding to the community um your shows often reflect the diversity of arts and culture in bridgeport and you've certainly shown a good number of black artists in your time. Tell us how you came across Claude and what made you think his work would be appropriate to black Well, you know, I just want to say, too, that being relevant to our community um, is, a, is a very par- important part of our mission. And uh, so that's why shows that reflect our community is an obvious uh, choice. But Claude was in an exhibit, a public art project, um, and his work was in the arcade. Um, he did a window installation there. And um, when they were choosing the artists for that um, project, I was on the, the uh, curatorial committee and saw his work there for the first time. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then um, um, I think I heard through the grapevine, Claude, that um, a teacher <laughs> who's a friend of mine from Housatonic Community College encouraged Claude to uh, approach City Lights. That was a story I just heard the other day. Claude, yeah, from Susan that's true. Sheehan. That's a true story. That's a yeah. true story. And uh, yeah. she's an old friend of mine. And um, uh, Claude um, was became part of a group exhibit that I Ayaba um, curated with Shauna last year called Nakupenda, I Love You, for February. And his work was in that. Right. 
I'm sorry, what? With Shanna Melton. With Shanna Melton, yeah. correct, yeah. Doesn't everybody know everybody? They're like my family, practically. You know, I, I'm on a first-name basis. I need to say their last names. Thank you. <laughs> 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 but, and, um, and very quickly, how did you feel that this was a good work for, for showing during? Well, you know, Claude is the one who he asked, can I have a one-person show? And uh, <laughs> I was compelled by his work. You know, um, I was immediately taken by the... Uh, cartoon-like imagery of a hollowed-out portrait of a screaming young black man. You know, I mean, I thought it was a statement, a very strong statement, and um, the application of paint, the line quality, the design, I mean, it just it just all came together. Right. And uh, the more work I saw, I realized, you know, we this was a, a different way to present you know, I've seen some black-faced art of contemporary artists before, but I've never seen it like that. It's usually a little more expressive. And to see this, like, pop culture, as you say, almost, you know, using, like, psychedelic color and Peter Maxey feel, but to say the same thing, it was really, I thought, a very contemporary look. And you could talk to Claude and see he has so much to say. Right. You know, um, he's an obvious choice. So I'd like to bring in Gerald Moore and Yaba right now, both of whom are long established figures in the Bridgeport art scene and have worked with you, Suzanne, for at least a decade, probably longer. Um, you've both responded very strongly to Claude's work and also have, work, uh, have worked with images of black stereotypes um, over the years. Um, and... Actually, both have work in a companion exhibit in the room next door to Claude's. Um, so maybe you could each tell us a little bit about your work in that exhibit and how it relates to and maybe sets up a conversation with Claude's work in, in, in his show. Um, Ayaba, you want to start? Sure. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, good, to, good to hang out with you guys. Um, for me, I am um, convinced that... that uh, America lost the opportunity to, to really deal with the racial issues faced on at the end of the Civil War when we had the Reconstruction period. And, and the government were, were making actual real efforts. You know, we had black senators and mayors and governors and black people were owning property and these kind of things. And we dropped the ball. America dropped the ball. The Ku Klux Klan showed up and black people were, were terrorized. So basically the, the, from, from that time until now, E.W. Griffith showed up. And, and, and made a birth of a nation, which was he, he was the, the son of a, a defeated uh, Civil War general. Um, and it's, it's pretty obvious he wanted to, to, to champion his father, kind of like what we saw the other day at the White House. People that are still right. um, mad, Ixie lost. And, and he the images that he brought to that movie and, and with Dwight Eisenhower giving it a thumbs up and saying it, it was like writing history with a lightning bolt. He, he basically... Mitch McConnell's grandfather saw that movie. And he got, he made sure he got a, a white guy to put on blackface. It was probably the first time we saw it in that, in that, in such a wide scale. It was the first blockbuster. So when you think about the way, I remember when the Transformers movie came out, I took my kids to it because I wanted to see the Transformers. I lied and told them I was taking them to it because I used them as my excuse. So you can imagine the way the propaganda of seeing black people portrayed that way, how, how it really is responsible for the image the stereotypes and the way black people are perceived in, in that entire 20th century. So when I see a young man who, who 
is is uh will 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 God's willing will live most of his life in this twenty first century when I see him addressing something so boldly from the last century that that I know adults have have had cowered from i i I ran to his to his uh uh, uh his, his his support and 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 every time I have a chance to talk to him i I'm pushing that idea of you are doing something that people are afraid to do my pieces in in the in the show are basically just another take on the same thing i took i took uh images from the history books lynchings ruby bridges um desegregating schools in in in, uh, in, in the south and i just switched them around i where where there were black people i put white people so where you had black white people saying uh you know saying things like we don't want any you know n words in our school that now i have a, a a black person saying we don't want any honkies in our school and right. to me it's it's forcing us to have this conversation because if we do not have this conversation america will implode Right. And, and so I, I love I love watching somebody who my, my youngest child is older than Claude. I, I love watching somebody from from this next generation take charge because this is not this is not our generation. Our job is the old people who have already messed up is to get out of the way and help them figure out how to fix this as best possible. So that, that was the main reason I jumped in. All right. Gerald, what about uh, your take on the work and and your piece in the show? Yeah, I'll pick up um, right where. um Ayaba left off. Um, I I was so smitten by the show. I I felt sort of obligated um, to do whatever I could to contribute to the conversation. Um, you know, we you know we you've discussed the work, and you know, Claude can articulate his work. Uh, you know, the the ideas behind his work better than I. But all I can really speak to is my response to the work. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was powerful, you know, it was well-crafted, you know, uh, visually well done, very handsome show. Yeah, very, I mean, it's all that. But um, beyond that, uh, the conversation that the work pre- um, gives access to is one that uh, is necessary. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ayaba's the historian. He can, he can speak to it, but the, the history of, uh, of the character, uh, the caricatures that depict black folks, you know, are, are, are deep in the, the visual iconography of this country. And the and society, I just, yes. I just heard, I just heard recently that, um, the company that owns Aunt Jemima, owns Aunt Jemima uh, is starting, starting and the image, uh, for something else. So it's, it's not a dead question. It's a living question. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, the question is, um, one that America just refuses to deal with. Um, and black folks have to deal with it, you know, because we're black in, uh, in a dominantly, uh, predominantly white culture. And so how we're depicted is how we're treated, you know? Mm-hmm. So what Claude has done and what Ayaba's done in some of his work and, and I'm attempting to do in my work is to flip that script, reclaim the iconography and um, and by doing that sort of infuse it with a different kind of power, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a large question for black artists because a lot of black artists are not really feeling that as a, as an exercise, it's um, the, the, the resentment and the, um, the, uh, the negative reaction to, Black memorabilia, the images is so strong, so deep, they can't get beyond it. It's like using the N-word in poetry. You know, I, mm-hmm. 
I know a lot of embrace it. Got to embrace it. And and some folks just don't want to embrace it because uh, it's so toxic. Right. Um, Carol, thank you. Um, I applaud Claude. Go ahead, Claude. (laughs) So back to Claude, um, a new voice that you're being celebrated by uh, the previous generations. Um, Can you tell us for, we just have a minute left. Um, What's been the impact of doing this show on you? You've, you've been, I'm sure you've been getting a lot of feedback. What's your sense of your direction from, from here? I feel like I'm going in the right direction. Um, I'm bringing two, uh, three generations together. You got, you know, mine, um, you got the middle age people like Ayaba, for example, and then you got people who's older than him. So you have the way older generation, the midpoint, and then you got the current. So it's good to see everybody's insight on it. And while I respect Ayaba so much and, and Gerald, they're, they're like dead in the middle. So they kind of see both sides of it. So it's like, mm-hmm. understand this one's in, um, you know, uh, frustration. And then the other side's like interest. So it's good to see that and it's good to get that kind of support. And, and I appreciate the understanding. So they know exactly what I'm trying to do. And Suzanne included, even being another background, she's seen how important it was. So it was definitely a conversation that needed to be had. So It's great. Well, this is a new, a new voice that is being heard and mm-hmm. a new career we hope is being launched. Thank